And uh, good being church on a Sunday morning. I love Sundays. They're my favorite days of the week. They really are. And uh, favorite day of the week. And I thank the Lord for the opportunity to be here. Thank you for praying for us and uh, through all that God's brought us through in, in the last uh, little while. And you know, everybody's going through something. Amen. Everybody's going through something. And um, that's why we need to uphold each other in prayer. And uh, we certainly have been praying for you. There's been some transitioning in, in the last year or so, or since the last year that we are here, last time we are here. And uh, you've got a new pastor and you've got a new assistant pastor out here. But they're not new. They're both old. Um, true. This is true. And uh, so it's good to see the church marching on. Amen. It's the Lord's church. It's the Lord's church. And uh, he certainly knows what he's doing. And, and uh, we're thankful that he has a, a plan. And uh, good to see each one here this morning. I'm going to take the Sunday school time and uh, really kind of uh, give you an update about our ministry and uh, kind of teach and preach and present all at the same time, okay? So we're going to be in Mark chapter 1, Mark chapter 1 in our Bibles. And uh, the Lord has uh, worked in our lives, uh, in our ministry over the last... Uh, a year or so, really not long after our meeting here, you know that uh, we left here. We had to we had to cut the meeting short a little bit um, because our son was getting married, and uh, that did take place. Amen. He he got it done, and um, and God has since blessed them with a, a little baby girl, a little Brooklyn Page. She's uh, well, she was born. August 28th, she was born 828. All things work together for good, amen? Romans 828. And then uh, she was born, and listen, only God can do this. She was born at 1611 in the afternoon. And uh, she's a Bible believer from birth, amen? And uh, so, but she's doing really well, and uh, we're thankful for that. But not long after we... Uh, had our meeting here last year. God was really working in my heart. As a matter of fact, uh, one day Pastor Legault and I went to lunch and talked about just, you know, uh, God's doing something in my heart and I don't know what it is. I knew it was ministry related, but I didn't know what it was uh, as far as ministry. And so we had time of prayer and we talked a little bit and I talked to Pastor Kenny a bit and, um, and other men, you know, in the multitude of counselors, their safety. And uh, you, ought to, you ought to get some counsel from men that love God and walk with God. Amen. And ladies that love God and walk with God. You ladies. And so uh, I had, you know, several preachers praying with me and, and uh, uh, about what God was leading us to do. And um, <clears throat> I guess it would be a few months after we were here. Uh, in November, the Lord really started working my heart about our home of New Brunswick, Canada. Has anybody ever been to New Brunswick here? Other than my family, put your hands down. Okay, not you, brother. Okay, you've been to New Brunswick. Anyone else? Okay, yeah, brother, 
uh, Pastor Kenny's been to New Brunswick. Um, New Brunswick is, uh, uh, in size and, and land mass, it's about the size of South Carolina, and, uh, and uh, about 850,000 people in the province. And I know, personally I know of, and, and not just those that I knew before, but those that I've found since, uh, I know of, of seven churches that we would, uh, that, that stand on the King James Bible and that preach the gospel. Seven in the entire province. And we're not talking about, uh, you know, seven in the county. We're talking about seven in the province. And uh, there's a great need of the gospel in the last 10 years um, those who have who describe themselves as having no religious affiliation or no religious belief has over doubled in the last 10 years. And uh, uh, 10 years actually leading up to uh, 2021, which was last uh, national census that was done. From 16% to over 34% do not have a re religious belief system in a one true God. And uh, so the need is great up there, and God began dealing with my heart about how uh, he could use me and, and, and our family to help get the gospel to our province. And I was reading uh, one day in, in Mark chapter 1, and the Lord used these verses to really speak to my heart, one verse in particular that we're going to look at this morning, about taking the gospel to the next towns. In Mark chapter 1, uh, we'll start reading in verse number, uh, well, let's, let's start in verse 32. Mark chapter 1, verse 32, the Bible says, And at even, when the sun did set, they brought unto him all that were diseased, and them that were possessed with devils. And all the city was gathered together at the door, and he healed many that were sick of diverse diseases, and cast out many devils, and suffered not the devils to speak, because they knew him. And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place, and there prayed. And Simon and they that were with him followed after him. And when they had found him, they said unto him, All men seek for thee. And he said unto them, Let us go into the next towns that I may preach there also, for therefore came I forth. When I was reading this passage and I read this verse, God spoke to my heart about preaching the gospel in the next towns in New Brunswick. And um, many of the towns, many of the, the cities even, they do not have a Bible-believing church. And many of them have no gospel witness at all. You get up in, in the northern part of New Brunswick, where it's uh, heavily uh, uh, Catholic. Uh, most of the population is French, and uh, some of them don't even speak English. Some, some communities up there uh, are not English-speaking communities at all. And in those towns, many of those towns, there has never been any other kind of church in that community other than a Catholic church. And uh, many, many communities without any uh, message of the gospel being preached at all. And so God began lay laying on my heart about going into these towns 
and holding gospel rallies just to preach the gospel and, um, and to see what God would do. And, uh, and when I first uh, came across this verse and the Lord really uh, dealt with my heart about doing my part to reach uh, our community and our, our uh, Samaria and our, our Judea, I thought, well, you know, that's a, that's a lot for one person to do. But I thought, well, maybe I can just preach in the towns and I won't preach in the cities. Seems how it just says the next towns. But the Lord wasn't telling me that. Uh, he said, I want you to preach in every town, every incorporated community in New Brunswick. Our goal is to hold a gospel rally in each one of those communities. And uh, it's, it's a big task. Um, it's, it's, uh, uh, it's probably going to take a long time to, to accomplish, uh, but we're committed to, to doing this. We believe this is what God would have us to do. And so our plan is during the summer months of the year, from June until September, uh, we, are, we are blocking out that time on our schedule, our traveling schedule, and we're going to spend in New Brunswick uh, just preaching and holding gospel rallies in communities in the province of New Brunswick. And uh, this is kind of phase one. It's uh, reseeding the, the, uh, the land with the gospel. And, uh, uh, and, and eventually we'd love to see God work through these campaigns to, uh, to save the lost and to establish churches in these communities. And so we have, uh, we have new prayer cards about the, the ministry. We're calling it Evangelize New Brunswick. And uh, they're back there on the table. Please pick up one of these and pray for us. And uh, pray that God will work out all the, uh, the logistics of it, the finances of it. We're taking three months out of our schedule each year. And, uh, and you know, that's our livelihood, going to meetings and preaching. And so we're raising additional support. And we, I want to take this moment to thank you for your support for us. We, we greatly appreciate it. And this is going to help us to reach New Brunswick. But pray that God would uh, lay our ministry upon other churches, other pastors' hearts, and they would uh, uh, work with us in reaching New Brunswick. We've already had several churches and pastors express interest of coming up and helping us with knocking on doors and, and um, doing mailings of John and Romans and... and um, and uh, some of the, the uh, setup and teardown and all that stuff that's going to uh, be involved in that. And so uh, we're excited. We're excited that the folks are, are uh, catching the burden to reach, to help us reach our community. And our prayer is that it would uh, spark a, f a flame in the hearts of God's people in their communities to reach their communities with the gospel. And uh, listen, I mean, we, uh, the church is a, it's, it's, a, it's a safe house in a lot of ways from the evils of the world. We come in here and we get encouraged, we get helped. Uh, but we need to take that encouragement and that help and that truth of the gospel that we've received outside of these walls and uh, evangelize our communities with the gospel of Lord Jesus Christ. And so pray with us on that. And I want to take a, a little while and look at this passage and uh, get some truths here, the truths that God worked in my heart through this passage and deliver them to you so you can help uh, maybe see our burden 
but also that the Lord would place upon you a burden to reach your communities. The next towns Jesus mentions here in verse number 38. And, uh, and I was thinking about this. Uh, when you look at the life of Christ, it's interesting to see that um, though Jesus was sent as the Savior of the world, he did not travel the world. As a matter of fact, um, he, he didn't get outside really of a very small nation, the nation of Israel. And um, he, is, uh, he is for the world, his message is for the whole world, but his entire earthly ministry took place in a country of about 8,600 square miles. Uh, you compare that to uh, Canada, which is where our home is, and uh, Canada's 3.8 million square miles. And so just this little tiny country that God sent his son to, and, uh, and when you follow Jesus' ministry, he was here for three and a half years, and we find him, uh, those who, who study these types of things, they say he traveled about 2,000 miles all, all told. And... Um, he didn't cover a lot of ground, that's what I'm saying. Most of his ministry was done in a, about a, a 12 square mile plot of land, kind of really more in a triangle, formed between uh, three uh, main places. And uh, look, look, at, uh, look at Matthew chapter 11. I'm not just making this up. It's in the Bible. Matthew chapter 11. Matthew 11, verse 20. The Bible says, Then began he to upbraid the cities wherein most of his mighty works were done. Do you see that? These are the cities where most of his mighty works were done because they repented not. Woe unto thee, Chorazin. Woe unto thee, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in the day of judgment than for you. And thou, Capernaum, which art exalted unto heaven, shall be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which have been done in thee had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day." But I say unto you that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for thee. And so from these verses, we see that Jesus did most of his mighty works in these three areas, Chorazin, Bethsaida, and Capernaum. So he had an area that was his focus area of ministry. And, uh, and so do we. We all have a, a place and... Uh, most of us, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna grow up. We're gonna live. We're gonna die in the same area, and um, and that's our area to reach. But even though this was the primary focus place of the Lord, there were times, and we read in Mark chapter one, there were these times when God would lead him outside of his comfort zone. 
outside of his main uh, target area. And, um, and I was interested in seeing that uh, Jesus, the, it's, it's going well for him in Capernaum here in Mark chapter 1. He's been in the synagogue. He's cast out uh, uh, unclean uh, devils from a man. He has uh, went to Simon Peter's house and he's healed uh, his mother-in-law. And then all these people, we started reading verse 32, all these people start bringing their sick folk to him and uh, those who are possessed with devils. He's healing people and the ministry is going great. And, uh, and, and the next day, the next, the next morning, more people are coming. But Jesus says in verse 38, let us go into the next towns. You know, we're all ready to quit and move on when things aren't going well. But uh, sometimes God wants us to branch out when things are going well. I think about in our lives, when I was pastoring in, in Nova Scotia, things were going very well. And uh, I was there for a little over seven years. And there were times during those seven years things were not going well, and I was ready to leave. But God waited until things were going really well, and then he said, okay, it's time to go into evangelism. Then I wasn't ready to leave. But God knows best, amen? And uh, just being open to his uh, voice and his spirit and, and, uh, and his leadership in our lives. And so Jesus, he's, he's working here at Capernaum. Things are going well. But the Lord says, hey, I've got a job for you to do outside of your comfort zone, outside of your area of ministry that you're used to. And that's what the Lord did in our hearts last fall and, and, uh, and over the winter as God was working in my heart. Things are going well for us on the road, and uh, we had more requests than we had time to fill them. That's a good thing. However, we still have to be sensitive to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And so, listen, let me encourage you, and this is not really part of the message, but I guess it is. Let me encourage you. Don't just look at how things are turning out and take that as God's blessing or God's leading in your life. Because there are times when things are going to look well on the outside and don't suppose that gain is godliness. Right? Well, I must be in God's will because the bank account's full and the cars are running well and the family seems to be happy. I must be in the will of God. Now, there's a lot of lost people that got full bank accounts and their cars are running well and their family's happy. That doesn't mean they're doing the will of God. So don't just suppose, well, things are going well, as it must be what God wants me to continue to do. Always be open to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Well, you see here in Jesus, uh, in this story with Jesus, things are going well, people are seeking him. Verse 37, uh, they come to him, they say, all men seek for thee. And verse 38, he said unto them, let us go into the next towns that I may preach there also, for therefore came I forth. I want to just look at this statement, these statements that he makes in this verse, and take them statement by statement for the rest of our time here in Sunday school and get some truth here from, uh, from God's word and from Jesus' words in particular here in Mark 1, 38. The first thing he says is this, let us go. Let us go. And when I think of this phrase, 
uh, the word that comes to my mind is the word participation. Participation. Jesus could have gone on his own. He can do anything, right? He does not need our help. And yet he invites us and he calls us to go with him to get the message of the gospel out to the world. What a privilege. What an honor it is that we can be ambassadors for Christ. That we can take the glorious gospel to the regions beyond. That we can take the glorious gospel to our neighbors. Amen? The gospel works everywhere. And so he says this. He said, let us go. Even though Jesus, um, or even, even Jesus, let me say this. Even Jesus didn't minister alone. He took someone with him. We need to work together in the work of the gospel. Amen? I know it's cool to be a maverick. But God doesn't use mavericks. Amen? He uses those who are submitted to his will and submitted one to another in the local church. And so... Uh, Jesus, I, I think about how Jesus could have done this alone, but he didn't. And then also I think about this when I think of this phrase, that Jesus didn't say to his disciples, hey, you go. He said, let us go. So when God sends us with the message of the gospel, he does not send us alone. He goes with us. This, the, to, to me, this when I was looking at this and praying about this ministry and thinking about how big this, this thing is, how in the world am I going to preach in every community in an entire province? How, how am I going to preach effectively? Where am I going to come up with the resources? And, uh, and how am I going to take care of my family while I'm doing this? All of those things God will take care of. How am I going to preach to, a, to a, a, a bunch of French communities, I don't speak French. How am I going to do this? God's going to do this. And um, I'm thankful that we don't go alone, that he, uh, he will be with us every step of the way. He does send us out in the, gos or in the gospel ministry into, into all the world. He says, go ye into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. But uh, he, he before, before he sent them out, he gave them his Holy Spirit. And I'm thankful for that. He told them, as a matter of fact, he said, you just abide here until you be endued with power from on high. And so there's this participation in the work of the gospel. And then the second phrase that he mentions, he says, let us go into the next towns. Into the next towns. Uh, the, the word that comes to my mind in this phrase is the word plan. When you use the word next, that means something was before and something's coming after. That indicates a plan. Uh, the Lord Jesus did not just uh, go around just, well, I guess I'll minister here, I guess I'll minister there. No, there's a plan that was put in motion. And, uh, and uh, listen, spirit-led ministry is not disorganized. 
Sometimes I think we, we get this idea, well, I'm just going to let the Spirit lead me so I don't even have a plan. That's not the Holy Spirit. That's not how He works. God is not the author of confusion. He's the author of order. Now, when, when we think about this, this does not mean that we come up with a It's not what it means. It does not mean that we have a rigid plan in, in place and there's no deviation from that. No, it simply means that God comes up with a plan and he may show us the whole plan at first. Most times that's not the case. Most of the time he'll show us a little bit of the plan and then we follow that part of the plan he'll give us some, uh, some more information on it. Amen? Jesus had a plan and it was because, I believe... Uh, of verse 35. As I said, the ministry's going well here in Capernaum. People are getting help. But in verse 35, it says, And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. Jesus got his plan from his father. And it was given to him in prayer. I know you've heard this before, but it bears repeating. If Jesus had to pray, why do we think we can do the ministry of God without prayer? Well, we got the Bible. That's all we need. Wait a minute. Jesus is the Word. Is that right? He still prayed. He still sought his Father's will. And he did always those things that pleased the Father. His whole purpose of being here was to accomplish his Father's will. And if Jesus needed to pray to get instructions for his day and his life, how much more do we need to pray? We need to pray. And in prayer, God will give us the instruction for the next step. You know, faith is what God is pleased with. And so we have to depend on, he set it up so that we have to depend upon him for leadership. And then we have to trust him in what he says and follow his instructions. He said, I, I want to I go into the next town. Let us go into the next towns. You know what he's saying? What we've enjoyed here, we need to take beyond to the next communities. Let us never forget that as God's people, the blood-washed people of God, that we have a responsibility to the Lord and a responsibility to the lost to take them the gospel message. You know what Paul said? He said, I am debtor. Look at it. Look at uh, Romans chapter 1. Look at Romans chapter 1 uh, quickly. He said, I, I owe it to them. And I owe it to Christ. Romans chapter 1. Look at verse number 13. Now I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I purposed to come unto you, but was let hitherto. That is, he was 
kept from going, that I might have some fruit among you also, even as, uh, as among other Gentiles. It wasn't time. But now the Lord's opening this door. Look at verse 14. I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Three things Paul says here. I'm a debtor, I'm ready to preach, and I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Listen, what a pattern for us to follow. What a spirit for us to embrace. If you are saved, you have received the greatest gift ever known to mankind. You've received Jesus Christ and his righteousness. And now we have a responsibility. It's not just the pastor's responsibility. It's not just the evangelist's responsibility. It is every recipient of the gospel. Every one of us have a responsibility to take that message of the gospel beyond our comfort zone, beyond even our own families, even our own neighborhoods, to the uttermost part of the world is our responsibility. That's why you have a missions program. You know, I ask, who's all been to New Brunswick? Two people outside of my family. Maybe three. And probably the most of you, uh, most of you, you'll never go there a day in your life. But you can send us to go preach there. You can pray for the ministry there of the gospel. And so there is this plan in, in place and, and, it's, and it's wrought out of prayer and it's wrought out of, a, out of a calling upon our lives that we need to fulfill the message of the gospel. So he said, let us go, participation, into the next town. That's, that's the plan. And then in verse number, or uh, uh, back again in Mark one thirty-eight, the third phrase that I want to point out, he says that I may preach there also. You know, Jesus uses this word also. That means he was preaching where he was before he went to go preach somewhere else. So what do you mean, what do you mean preach? I mean... Listen, I've seen it. I've seen it so many times. Some young guy gets fired up. Man, I want to preach. I want to preach. I want to preach. And they want to preach behind this pulpit, but they don't want to preach on the street corner. They don't want to preach in the nursing home. They don't want to preach in the jail. Uh, they don't want to preach in their community. Boy, I want to be a missionary. I'm praying that God will send me over to Africa to, to preach the gospel to the lost. Are you preaching the gospel to the lost here? There's lost people in New York. Lots of them. So Jesus, uh, he says that I may preach there also. But uh, what I want to focus on in this, in this phrase is this word, power. The preaching of the word of God is the power of the gospel. God manifests his son through preaching, Titus chapter 1 tells us. 
And uh, there, there are many going here. Jesus, he says, let us go. But while many are going, he says that I may preach there also. What a picture for us to see that when we go and we preach the, the message of the gospel, it is not us but God in us who compels men to receive the gospel. Paul said this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5, we preach not ourselves, but Christ. Just preach Christ. So I, I just don't know what to tell my family. I don't know what to, what to tell my, my loved ones and my, and my uh, co-workers. And I, I just don't know what to tell them. Just tell them about Jesus. Just tell them what Jesus did for you. Give them your testimony. Give them the gospel. Well, they don't believe the gospel. That's why they need to hear it. So that the light of the glorious gospel can shine in their hearts. He says, uh, we need to go and we need to, we need to preach. Now, preaching is powerful. And you see it all through the scripture. Titus chapter 1 verses 1 through 3 tells us that he's manifested his son in these last times through preaching. 1 Corinthians chapter 18. And uh, turn there with me if you will. 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1. I'm sorry. 1 Corinthians 1. If you find 1 Corinthians 18, you got the wrong Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 beginning in verse number 18. Let's read this passage. And the, listen, these are principles, these are truths that you're well familiar with, probably. But we need to hear them again. We need to be reminded of our responsibility. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, the Bible says, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? Well, that's for sure. I mean, just look around today, what the world is calling wise. It's a bunch of baloney, most of it. Look at verse 21. For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. You're not going to figure God out with your wisdom. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Listen, I, you know, I thank the Lord for uh, these, these uh, ministries that... Uh, and, and people and scientists who will study geology and archaeology and, and all of these things to, to, uh, to show that uh, the, the biblical account of creation is right and the biblical history, you know, is, uh, is accurate. I thank God for all of that. But none of those things are going to bring the lost to Christ. None of those things are going to convince people that there's a God in heaven that they have to believe in. It is the preaching of the gospel that convinces the heart of the sinner. And so while I thank God for all these tools and resources and research that's been done so that we can say, hey, this is what the Bible says, and look, 
um, I mean, amazing how history proves the Bible. But it's faith that God rewards. And without faith, it's impossible to please him. And so just, you know, all these things, you say, well, you know, we got to convince them of that. We got to convince them of that. No, you need to preach Jesus unto them. Salvation is not an intellectual uh, transaction. Salvation is a matter of the heart. With the heart, man believeth unto righteousness. With the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. And so it's the heart that you have to go for. And the Bible says that God has chosen the preaching of the cross to save them that believe. And uh, he goes down through here, down through this passage, and, and uh, we won't take a time to look at all of it, but um, verse 22, it says, For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. Know what he's saying? I'm not going to give the Jews their sign. I'm not going to try to convince the Greeks with my wisdom. Paul said, when I came to you, I didn't come with enticing words of man's wisdom. And you study Corinthians, and Paul said, you know, my speech was rude. That's what he says. He said it was plain. Amen? Now, Paul was a smart guy. He could have talked way up here to try to impress people. But you know what he did? He said, listen, I know that the power is in the message of the gospel. And I want everybody to understand it. I want, listen, from the youngest to the oldest, I want the gospel to be plain because the gospel is plain. There's simplicity in Christ and in the work that he did. And so just preach. Just preach. So I'm not a preacher. Yes, you are. Preach the gospel. Tell forth what you've ex experienced. Tell forth what the scripture bears record of Jesus Christ. And so his goal when he is going to these next towns is to preach. And, and this brings us to the last phrase in Mark chapter 1 verse 38. He says this, For therefore came I forth. Purpose. There's participation, there's a plan, there's the power of the work and the purpose. And he says this purpose that he has is to preach the gospel. Jesus had the power to do so much more than just preach. Is that right? And he did. And he, everywhere he went, he would touch people and heal them and all of those things. And, 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 and there's nothing wrong with any of that. The Lord did that so they would see that he is indeed the Son of God. But the purpose for him being there and the purpose of him going to these other towns, the primary means that Jesus used to reach the lost was the preaching of the gospel. We're going to go to these communities and uh, most of them 
obviously they're not going to know who we are and we're not going to know who they are. And so we're going to try to, you know, do things to try to introduce ourselves to the community. And, and maybe we'll, I'm sure we'll have, have music and get the family up to sing. And people like music and they like instruments and they like all that stuff. And maybe we'll put on some meals and feed some people. But the primary goal of these meetings is to preach the gospel. And that has, listen, that has to be the focus of the church. It has to be the focus of every believer. It has to be the focus of our lives. Get the gospel out. If preaching the gospel was a good enough purpose for Jesus, then it's a good enough purpose for us. We need to reach the next towns, the next cities, the next villages, the next neighborhoods with the powerful gospel of Jesus Christ. We have been commissioned. We've got some military guys here. You know what that means. When you've been commissioned, you've been given a position that comes with it responsibilities. You've got a goal. You've got an objective. And we who have been saved, we are soldiers in the army of the Lord. We have an objective. Here's, here's what happens a lot of times in, in war. There will, be, there will be things thrown at, 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 the, uh, at, at the enemy to try to get their focus off the goal and on to these things that are happening. They call them diversions. You know what the devil's doing? He's trying to divert our attention away from the goal. He's trying to distract us. He is the master of distraction. And while we're getting caught up in this and that and the other thing and some obscure doctrine that we all want to fight over or, or the, the pleasures of the world and money and all these other things that we're chasing after, we are forgetting the objective. The objective is to preach the gospel. That's why we're still here. Amen? And so uh, the Lord Jesus, he sets before us uh, these truths and the Lord used this message to really, uh, really help me and my focus of the next step in our ministry. And so while we'll still be traveling and doing meetings like this throughout the year, in the spring and the fall and some in the winter, um, primarily uh, spring and fall, but uh, our, our summers we're going to spend, and that's when the weather's good up there, amen, the snow's not flying. We're going to spend reaching our Judea, our Samaria, with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to encourage you. Talk about a plan. Do you have a plan? Let me challenge you. I'm not talking, about, I'm not talking to the church as a whole right now. I'm talking to you individually. Do you have a plan to reach your neighbors, your family, your coworkers? with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I, I've never really thought about that. I think you ought to think about it. So I don't even know where to begin. Well, the Lord does. Why don't you, like Jesus did, just seek him 
in prayer and say, Lord, how would you use my life to reach the next people, the next towns with the gospel of Jesus Christ? How many of you live in this community? This is technically, this is Martville. How many of you live in Martville? Just a few. So most of you live outside of this community. You're in other communities. Have you prayed about how to reach your community with the gospel? It is your responsibility. Pray about it. See how God would lead you to take the glorious gospel to the lost. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, dear God, for the example of your son. God, my heart is challenged every time I look at this passage, every time I think about what you did, Lord Jesus, in obeying your father and just having a vision beyond your comfort zone, beyond where you spent most of your time. You understood that even beyond that, there were responsibilities that you had to take the, the gospel of the Lord Jesus and to preach it. And God, help us to follow that example. Help us to have a burden for the lost. We, we keep talking about, we think about, we pray that, that you would come quickly and get us out of this mess. But Lord, how many were you going to leave behind that have never received the message of the gospel clearly from the word of God because of our silence, because of a lack of preparation. And so God, help us. Help us, dear God. May we be convicted, but may we be encouraged as well to take and do our part to preach the gospel. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.